If you're enjoying this episode, check out Fearless Fridays with Marianne, the podcast to help you transform past pain into present power so that you can heal your inner child and reshape your future. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Dannert in Rochester, New York. My mission is to see women worldwide live a free, fearless, and fabulous life. Subscribe to Fearless Fridays with Marianne on the Jazzcast Pros Network, available right here on your favorite podcast player. And remember, you are a priority and you matter. Jazzcast Pros. There's nowhere in scripture that says that if somebody commits suicide, they're going to hell. What we do is look at the act and then look at, you know, how they died. And we say, oh, they're in hell. So I'm asked all the time, did my loved one go to heaven? I can't say yes. I can't say no. But what I can say is that I pray that the grace of God intervened. Welcome to Living the Front Seat Life Podcast. It is your host, Coach Kelly Marie, and thank you for listening. We are over 10,000 downloads. How honored I am to be able to share this time with you and for you to take time out of your day to see what's going on at Front Seat Life. Now, September is Suicide Awareness Month, and we um, are dedicating the shows this month to suicide awareness. So today's topic is, again, you know, related to suicide awareness, and we're going to look at it from a different perspective today. I have with me Apostle Garney Davis Jr. We are going to dive into what faith has to do with mental health and suicide. What does God say about mental health and suicide? To that end, I want to let you know that Today's topic, while not intending to trigger anyone, may trigger you. It may um, make you uncomfortable. I want you to feel comfortable to pause or to stop listening altogether. If you are um, experiencing a mental health crisis, please call the Crisis Prevention Helpline at 988 The number has changed. You only have to dial 988 on your phone and you'll be connected with a crisis counselor 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And Apostle Garney Davis Jr. is my pastor. Thank you so much, Apostle, for joining me today. The honor is mine and uh, any way that we can support what you're doing, we're going to be here. So. So a little bit about Apostle Dr. Garney Davis Jr. He is a teacher, he is a preacher, an anointed worshiper, and he also is very involved with our city and our region. He's served as a facilitator of the Men of Impact Gathering. He sits on several boards here, including Crime Stoppers of Buffalo, um, the Erie County Medical Center Foundation, and Buffalo Peacemakers. He's the ecumenical chair for National Black Leadership on AIDS. He is a trauma chaplain and the chief chaplain for International Police Fire Chaplains First Responders. And so I introduce to you Apostle Dr. Garney Davis Jr. I'm I'm smiling hard because, you know, I appreciate your words, you know. (laughs) Growing up, I was part of a denomination and 
in his denomination, they depicted the pulpit as the you've arrived place. You know, once you get the title of pastor or you're able to preach in front of the people, you've arrived. And my thought as a child and growing up young in ministry was, well, if everybody's going to the pulpit, who's going to the people outside? And so my desire was not to get in behind a pulpit or a podium, but was to go to the broken, to the hurt, to the lost, to be able to communicate and converse with the homeless and even the drug addict, the, the street walker. And so I became a chaplain for a manufacturing company. And uh, when I first started working at this manufacturing company, I was not saved. And so in 1999, I gave my heart to the Lord for real. Then I, 2003, licensed, 2005, ordained, 2006, I was sent to the nation of Uganda, Africa. And from that point on, God just began to open up my eyes to see the need for marketplace ministry. Matthew 28 lets us know that we ought to go ye therefore and make disciples. And if everyone is trying to get to the pulpit behind the podium, who's going? And so in 2005, I was appointed as the chaplain for 650 uh, union brothers and sisters. And it gave me an opportunity to convey and display the love of God to those that knew me and those that didn't, to those who are other faiths, to those who had no faith. I became and built a relationship with these individuals that they recognized me as their spiritual advisor, the one who would come alongside them um, and give them just spiritual guidance, the one who would show up at funerals, the one who would show up at uh, weddings, the one who would just be a resource to them, um, be it in good or bad. And one thing that I saw was that People got connected to God through me. And I said, wow, what a honor that God would use me to those who didn't belong to a church and to those who belong to churches. So I just became an extension of the pastor, the priest, the imam to, to render and offer care to their parishioners and to those who were of other faiths. And so I celebrated the fact that God would allow me to do it. Fast forward, 2008, the plant closed down and I volunteered at Erie County Medical Center, a level one trauma hospital for five years. And um, I'm trained as a first responder for all chaplain, first responder chaplain for law enforcement and first responders, which simply means that I go beyond the yellow tape. My training is very extensive that I'm trained to body bag while do ministry, while support the first responders, while support uh, the police officers, law enforcement. And my first initial uh, training here in the city of Buffalo was when we lost two firemen on a uh, corner of Genesee and uh, Wendy uh, near Bailey. That goes some years back, 2008. From there, the hospital saw what I was, uh, my training, just uh, I had to activate my training. And then uh, we were contracted at ECMC. And then in 2013, they hired me. 
And so I am one who show up inside of the hospital, inside of the ER and serve as a liaison for the doctors and family. The doctors can't respond right away to the family. So that's where I come in. And my priority is to the patient. And if there's a life there, we come in and we say a prayer. We let them know that we're here for them. We give encouragement when when death is near. We give support when people are afraid and scared and unsure about you know what their necks look like. So um, that's who I am. And we train men and women in South Africa to be chaplains. We are training men and women really all over the world to be chaplains. And so we're just excited that God has chosen me to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. I'm just a servant. You've dealt with folks that are recovering after suicide attempts. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, the humanity of suicide? Uh, The humanity part is that we all have uh, bad days. We have bad times, bad seasons, bad moments. And sometimes we have dark moments. We have like a give up moment, like I'm tired of living moments. For some, that doesn't mean you're going to take your life, but it's like you're giving up on life. Like I'm done. And if nothing changes, it is what it is. I'm not trying nothing different. We throw in a towel on ourselves. And then there's others who believe that there's no reason to live dark place. And the truth of the matter is, it is not just the the broken. It is not just the homeless. It is not just those who live in poverty. It is those who are, believe it or not, suicidal thoughts uh, happen to more people than we talk about, more than people would even acknowledge or even be transparent enough to share it. We have those depressed moments. And the truth of the matter is, no matter where we are, where you are in life, God is not surprised. And God has always been an ever-present help in time of trouble. God has always been with us, even when we don't see him. God is there. Even when we don't feel him, God is there. And so uh, the humanity part is, is that for those who've never had those thoughts, don't despise or look down on those who've had those thoughts. For those who've never attempted to to take their own life, don't, don't degrade, don't belittle, don't look down on those who have, because the truth of the matter is you don't understand. And the truth of the matter is I may not understand, but I do know God knows because he knows the end of a thing while we're yet at the beginning. God knows our next conversation, our next thought. And because you are in this place, God is an ever-present help. We look at times when, if we're honest with ourselves, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't believe it'll ever change. I don't believe it'll ever get better. And it's at those times we're at our lowest that God says, I cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Cast your care. And so for those who've experienced in suicide have hit your home um, and we say, well, why did God allow and why, why does this loving God Uh, allow these things to happen. We quit to blame God. And the truth of the matter is um, we, we have to go back to the beginning and we have to understand what happened in the beginning of creation. Um, The Bible lets us know that 
in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And in verse 26 of chapter two of Genesis, he created man. But he, in creating man, he gave man the opportunity to choose good and bad. And there was a mistake made in the beginning and they chose to disobey God. We must understand that when God created us, he created us to live forever. But because of the disobedience, because of the sin, now, now death has come into the picture. Now bad choices and, and bad things have come on the scene. But God says no matter what we choose, that he love us unconditionally. He, he care for us unconditionally. What we have to understand is it is not that God allowed this to happen. It is that because of sin, God has given us this choice from the beginning to choose right and wrong, good and bad. The consequences of sin is death. And so what we're looking at now is an opportunity that we can see um, today where somebody make a bad decision. And if you're honest with yourself, you have not always made the best decisions. You've made some bad choices. And because of that, you had to deal with the consequence of it. And because of sin, suicide is a consequence. The thought of it, the act of it is a consequence of sin. And so when we see those who have attempted suicide, we, we can't look down on them. We can't blame God. We should say, God, thank you that you spared their life. Thank you that their life didn't end when they made that choice or that decision. Wow. Would you then say based upon that, that the act of suicide is a sin? Well, the act of suicide is a bad choice. But the root of it is because of sin. Because if we think, when we think about how God created us, he created us to live. He created us to never die. He created us to not be sick. But because of sin, these are the consequences. Murder, lying, stealing, consequences of sin. But we still have no matter what we choose, God never turns his back on us. God never says, oh, I'm done with Brother Garney. No, I'm done with Sister Susie. No, he never does that because he loves us so much that he, he says, even in your mistake, even in your shortcoming, even in your failure, I love you with an everlasting love. The scripture lets us know Jeremiah 29 and 11, God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans of peace and not to harm you. If that's his plan, he still gives us the option to choose his plan or our plan. <laughs> he gives us the opportunity to decide. The same decision he gave in the Garden of Eden in the beginning. Listen, you can eat of every place, but not of this place. A choice. So no matter if you made a bad choice, God still loves you. God says, I'm still available to you. Now we have to look at that choice. And, and sometimes the, the choice we make and, and the action of the choice doesn't allow us to have a second chance. And I've seen and witnessed miracles 
Um, I don't know how explicit I could be, Kelly, but I've seen people put guns. I've seen the consequence of and the aftermath of when a person put a gun to their face and live. Then I've seen people do the slightest thing and pass away from it. And so all I know is, is that the, the, the final say is God, but he has given us the choice to say, let me get help. Let me seek help. What's available for me? Because I don't want to do this. I don't want to harm myself. I believe that, that God, when we pray and say God helps, I believe he hears us every time we pray. And so it's not about the, the level of sin here. It is that do we choose the right thing? And even in our bad choosing, God says, I still love you. Thank you for that. So when we look at suicide, Apostle, talk of the afterlife, right? And often many religions um, mm -hmm. believe that if you take your life, there is no afterlife for you or you go to hell. Is that written? Can you commit suicide and go to heaven? Here is where religion get involved. And we, we as men think we could put God in a box. I'm, I'm explain where I'm coming from. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, that's John 3, 16. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, listen, why we were hopeless that Christ died for us. Scarcely will a man give his life, but Christ gave his life for us at the right time, right? So what we understand is that when all hope was gone, Christ says, I'm gonna send my son to die to be a savior. People, they were feeling hopeless. The devil thought he had us, thought we, we was doomed for hell no matter what. And Christ and God says, I'll send my son. His son come in the form of a baby, grow up, and he become the savior of the world. This is where religion get in the way. We have the audacity to say what only, oh, to say that, oh, if somebody take their life and we look at how they attempted or how they died and we say, oh, they going to hell. Who are we to say that? There's nowhere in scripture that says that if somebody commits suicide, they're going to hell. Nowhere in scripture. What we do is look at the act and then look at how, you know, how they died and we say, oh, they're in hell. But here is where the grace of God comes in. So I'm asked all the time, did my loved one go to heaven? I can't say yes. I can't say no. But what I can say is that I pray that the grace of God intervened. Here's an example of that. A young man says, I'm going to take my life. So he drives his car off a cliff. He still has to deal with the consequence of his action. But we don't know the conversation that he is having with God on his way down. There was a, a prodigal son who found himself in a pit. 
And in this pit, he had a conversation with God. And he said, wait a minute, why am I here? The same conversation a person can have after they committed the act. Now, we'll say, oh, well, they shot themselves in the face. But if as long as there is life, they can have a conversation with God in their heart. That's the difference between us and God, that God can hear our heart and our lips never move. And so the grace of God, he can say to himself, Father, forgive me for this act. Forgive me for what I've done. He yet has to deal with the consequence. But grace shows up and says, I hear your prayer. I forgive you. So we have to be careful about a religious mindset or even putting God in a box to say a person is with to hell or to heaven because we do we definitely don't know. But we can say grace is real. And I'm a living witness of this is that people who thought they were going to die say a prayer, not knowing the outcome, but wake up and say, God, I thank you for your grace. We've seen it. I've experienced it. So I don't, I, I encourage, I teach and I train. Do not put somebody in heaven or hell because you're not God. But all we can do is talk about the grace of God. And the grace of God shows up when we, nobody else can see it. You said this a couple times. You said that's where religion gets in the way. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Religion is when we make non-spiritual spiritual. We we try to answer questions that we really can't answer. So my mother died at the age, I was four years old, and she was 36 years of age with eight kids. Nobody can answer that question, why did God do that? Religion will say, oh, well, the plan of God, and no, 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 no. You can't say that to me. It was God surprised? No. But religion will try to answer and make things non-spiritual, spiritual. The truth of the matter is nobody can answer that question. That's the conversation I'll have when I get to heaven. God, why did you bring mama home? You know what I mean? Some things we cannot answer. Some things we have to learn to say only God knows. Religion will cause people to believe untruths because I believe the Bible is the infallible word of God. And if what God says in that, I apply to my life. But nowhere from Genesis to Revelation where it says that if a person commits suicide, they go to hell. Nowhere. We have done that. We've concluded with that. But again, my response to that is, the grace of God can show up in somebody's life when we least expect it. What's true and what's not. What's true is what the word of God says. And in the scriptures, it doesn't say that if you commit suicide, you go to hell. Nowhere it says that. I believe in the grace of God and not religion. Not what man say, what, not what man has created, but what God says. How do you then answer people when it's not for us to know the answer, but as human beings, 
we're always asking questions. We want to know the answer. We want to believe that everything, you know, fits in a box. How does one live, I guess, not knowing and not being able to get the answer? Let's let's look in scripture, right? When the grace of God showed up, Jesus was on a cross and they put two thieves, one on the right and the left of him. We know nothing about these thieves, but that they murdered and they steal. We don't know if they heard of Jesus. We don't know if they had an encounter with him. But at the end of their life is when we see them and read of them conversing with Christ. One was saying, hey, man, if you the son of God, save us. And the other one said, wait a minute, we deserve this for what we've done. But this man has done nothing. So on his deathbed, if you will, grace showed up. And after the conversation, Jesus tells this thief who spoke up for him, in paradise, you'll see me. But to those who put him on the cross, he was a murderer. He's a bad guy. Oh, he had to go to hell. But grace showed up. The religious will say, oh, he had to go to hell, but they don't even know the conversation that he had while on his deathbed, right? When we don't know, because I have some loved ones who lived hard lifestyles and lived bad lives. Do I know they made it in? I don't, but I believe in the grace of God. So my, my comfort is, I pray, Father, that your grace showed up, that they had an opportunity to say, Father, forgive me. I'm sorry for my actions. I'm sorry for my lifestyle. I'm sorry. Come into my heart, be Lord of my life. That's what I believe. I believe that the grace of God can show up at any time. So I don't stay where, stay in the place where, wow, I don't know if they made it in. I stay in a place where, God, your grace showed up for me. It can show up for them. His grace can show up at any time. Do you find that people are comforted when you have that conversation about suicide, when you have to talk to a family that's lost a loved one to suicide, or do you not have those kind of conversations at, at the time? Well, I sometimes it's, I'm, I'm put right on the spot. Did my loved one go to heaven right on the spot? And I talk about the grace of God because the grace of God is a comfort. It takes the pressure off of them wondering and coming to know this loving and grace, gracious God. And, and that, that we don't put him in a box, but we trust that he loved us even at our worst, even in our worst mistake, in our worst action, that he still love us. And I share that, that, you know, he gave his son for people that would then crucify him. So why, why would we not think he would show up when someone has made a bad decision? We have to understand God knows a man's heart. God knows a man's thinking before he think it. That's, that's the comfort there is that the grace of God can show up at any time. Don't stay and live and dwell where you're uncertainty. Have a faith in God. 
Because the scriptures lets us know that he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. The scripture lets us know that, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave. The scripture lets us know that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers. That in Psalms 34, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. We have to be confident in the word of God that he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. How do you comfort someone who is of a different faith? Most of the time when I'm dealing with those of uh, different faiths, it is the ministry of presence that I'm there. They see me and that there's a comfort to know that there is some spiritual uh, advisor. There's some spiritual support and comfort present. And then there's times when I've had those who are concerned about their loved ones of a different faith to say, would you pray? And I will say a prayer. I've never had a Muslim or a Hindu or a Sikh ask me if uh, someone from who committed suicide went to heaven or hell. I've never had that. And that could be because of their belief system. But what I do is I show up as a support, no matter what the trauma is, no matter what the cause of death is. And so for people that may be listening and they maybe want to help and they see chaplaincy as a route for them, how does someone become a chaplain? How does someone give back in this way? Well, I recommend you um, now to be a certified chaplain, you have to have 20 credit hours of seminary. And you have to then go through the clinical CPE courses. There's four units. There's a book time and then there's on-hand training um, to be certified. You have different types of chaplains. Um, you have hospital, you have nurses, you have police, um, you have uh, first responders, you have uh, military chaplains. And so I would research, you know, the requirements for it. But I do know for a minimum uh, 20 credited hours of uh, seminary courses, uh, biblical studies. And then you have to do your clinical pastoral education training as well. There are different chaplaincy programs out there. Um, New York State has one. Catholic uh, Health has one. I am a international police and fire chaplain, first responder, but I also have degrees in um, seminary and biblical studies. So yeah, just research where you are and the requirements. Okay. And quickly, I would love to talk a little bit about marketplace ministry. And I know that there is an event coming up. Okay. Let, let me simplify. Um, when we, in, in my, in my faith, in my religion, um, in my belief, um, we come to church every week, gathering with individuals that believe what we believe, um, read the same Bible, believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he died and God raised him from the dead. And he is now seated at the right hand of the father. We believe that there's only one way to the father and that's through his son, Jesus. We believe the gospel. We believe that if we believe and repent, that we shall be saved, that when we leave or die, that our bodies will remain, but our spirits will go to heaven. 
Um, the Bible says to be absent from the body, but to be present with the Lord. That means that we are just passing through. We are spiritual beings first, and we put on this shell called flesh to uh, uh, live in this this earth, this domain, to to carry out and to be witnesses of of Jesus, the one who came to save us. And so, marketplace ministry to me is bringing our beliefs outside the four walls of our church, going in corporations, in schools, in hospitals, in jails, in, and, and nursing home, and sharing, walking the streets and sharing the gospel, building relationships with individuals that we don't know, our coworkers, and being a light to those that we come across, being a testimony of the goodness of God. I am a marketplace minister. I work for a corporation and I bring spiritual advisement, spiritual guidance within there from my faith belief. There are Muslim chaplains. There are Catholic chaplains doing the same thing. Marketplace ministry is ministry outside of the four walls of the church. You're not an elder. You're not a pastor. You're not an apostle. You're not a prophet, evangelist, a teacher. You are a chaplain. You are um, someone that is recognized in that corporation as a spiritual advisor, as one who who will come alongside and give spiritual guidance to those who our co-workers, to those who are in the same venue with you, working with you. That's marketplace ministry. And so what we are doing, our church is, is a church in the marketplace. Impacting Love Global Ministries have put a church inside of the Walden Galleria Mall. That's not traditional. That is not the norm for churches to be inside, but we converted a 3,500 square foot space into a sanctuary, marketplace ministry. We believe that this, the great commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 is that it need to be lived out. We have applied that. And so people hang out in the mall. So we've taken our ministry church into a marketplace and we set up so that we can convey and display the love of God to all people and all nations that walk through there. That's marketplace ministry. And so one of the things we are embarking on, and we encourage you to attend, to join us, to be with us, we have a great concern for our communities. We are bringing all faiths and all law enforcement both federal and uh, local agencies together, October 8th, 2022 at 12 noon. And we are going to have a parade inside of the mall. We want our community to know that faith and law enforcement are coming together to show you that we care about you, that we want to know about your concerns, that we are working together to change our communities. Now, here's the thing. In order to change your culture, you got to first change the environment. So we want to show uh, solidarity. We want to show oneness 
that we care together, that we're willing to work together to reach our community, that they will know that they have support, that we will make sure that they get the resources that they need. And most of all, it is Muslim Christians, it is Catholic, Hindu, Sikh, FBI, state police, local police, regional police coming together to convey this message. That's what's happening at 12 o'clock, October 8th, inside of the Walden Gallery Mall. We are gathering right near the uh, Apple uh, a store right in that location. That's where we're beginning. And we're going to walk through. And at, while we're walking, we're going to be giving out resources and gifts to our community to let them know we care, to let them know there's resources available for them. It is all faiths and all law enforcement coming together. It's called Faith in Blue. Walk with you. That is incredible. And I can't wait. It's on my calendar. I'm going to be there. It, I set an alarm and everything. So I will not forget. Impactinglove.org. Yes, I want to share this as we close is that that God loves us. And he told us to cast our cares upon him because he cared for us. Cast our anxieties, cast our burdens, cast our concerns, cast our worries upon him because he cares. Some things we just got to give to God and leave it with him and have to be okay with it. But also know that his grace can show up in the lives of people at any time. Those who are living and those who've made bad choices from suicide. I believe that the worst of the worst, grace can show up. And I want you to know that the God that I'm speaking about is a God of love and grace and mercy. Don't you worry about and focus on if they made it to heaven. Focus on, God, I believe that you love them so much that your grace could show up on their behalf in their life. So I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with it, reach out to us and we'll come alongside and we'll be a support to you. And I believe that God will give you comfort. I truly, truly thank you for taking the time out and just being yourself and your journey. You all have been listening to Living the Front Seat Life podcast. My guest has been Apostle Dr. Garney Davis Jr. Um, He's my pastor at Impacting Love Global Ministries here in Buffalo, New York. Um, But we're not just located in Buffalo, New York. We have ministries across the globe in Uganda, uh, South Africa, Dominican Republic, Jamaica. We are in so many places and it's all been God-driven and ordained. Until the next time, I hope there is a next time, be the light.